Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's now time to enter the Sports Zone with your host, Bob Kemp. Plenty of time to run your offense. This is the guy that passes and finds people. Off the floor with it. That ball hit a leg. And Sinogo lost a shoe. As close as this game has been since it was 16 to 12. And we got five minutes to go for the title. Here's Hawkins. That's huge. How about that? The way he uses the screen. Dutch, what a year he's had too. Hurley and the Huskies have their dreams come true. Deep left center, Thomas giving chase, and it's gone. It's been that kind of game. Ha-Sung Kim. This one is gone. After David Dahl tied it, Kim wins it. And the Padres, on the night they watched their Aztecs get beaten in the national title game, give San Diego some consolation prize here. And they want a curtain call here at Petco Park. William checking Booker defensively. Buck. Tough to hold up. My goodness. Jesus. Uh, he took that. That's a, that was only like a, a 14-foot rim. Man. So hard to dig out of big holes, but Leiter's trying it tonight. Especially Step on the road. Three Wiggins. Yes. Stafford. For Beckham, open, touchdown! And a little gritty from Odell Beckham Jr. with Justin Jefferson watching on the other side. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports own guide, Bob Kemp on KDUSAM1060. And welcome to the Tuesday, April 4th edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7, UConn, what impressed you the most during its dominant NCAA tournament run? The Diamondbacks, is it too early to be concerned about the bullpen? Hmm, like we haven't asked this question over the years. The Suns, what do you want to see tonight against the lowly Spurs? The Warriors, does the, uh, the, the reported and expected return of Andrew Wiggins change your postseason expectations of them? The Ravens, does, uh, let's, let's rephrase that, Wood signing. If they sign Odell Beckham Jr., does that change Lamar Jackson's attitude? And what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, you have the introduction of today's pipeline. At 9.15, we'll have an NCAA tournament championship game. Uh, some analysis, and uh, not just the game, but the tournament itself. Uh, Carrie Miller is scheduled to join us from Bleacher Report. 9.30 or so to be interactive action at 602-260-1060. And also the local roundup. That includes some Diamondbacks and Padres analysis from last night and a Suns and Spurs preview. Then in the final segment of today's one-hour extravaganza, the National Roundup topped by some latest line and rip from the headlines type of things. 
And also, uh, we have Diamondbacks tickets for the home opener on Thursday against the Dodgers to give away. Not right now. We will get to those at some strategical point during this one-hour radio program. On to the pipeline we go. Time for today's pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. And today's question is, what impressed you the most during Connecticut's dominant NCAA tournament? It's offense or it's defense. And Corey is here and has the early returns. Leading right now is the defense. 75% of the vote there, the offense at 25% on KDUS1060.com. Connecticut has now won five national championships since 1999, four of the championship games in the state of Texas, and they've done it with three different coaches. In addition to the poll question, what stood out during last night's 76-59 UConn win over San Diego State, and what will you remember the most from the last three weeks and 67 games of the NCAA tournament? Today's Twitter poll question, is it too soon to be concerned about the Diamondbacks' bullpen? Corey, what do we have here? Similar numbers. 75% at no so far. Yes, at 25% on KDUSAM1060 on Twitter. The bullpen has many new faces, but last night's ninth-inning walk-off loss was very similar to the last two seasons with the apparent new closer, Scott McGuff. Uh, surrounding uh, the back-to-back home runs in the bottom of the ninth inning. He ended the game with a one-run lead, and then he allowed the back-to-back home runs, which became a 5-4 loss at San Diego. Also on the local front, the Suns have four regular season games remaining. The three home games, tonight against the Spurs, Thursday against the Nuggets, and Sunday against the Clippers. And they have a Friday night road game at Los Angeles against the Lakers. What do you want to see tonight in the Suns' home game against the lowly Spurs? Meanwhile, spanning the globe, the Warriors are expecting their best defensive player back at some point this week. Andrew Wiggins has missed the last 22 games dealing with his father's serious medical issue. Does the expected return of Andrew Wiggins change your opinion of the Warriors in the postseason? Meanwhile, from the NFL, the Ravens are reportedly offered a contract to free agent receiver Odell Beckham Jr. If the Ravens sign Odell Beckham Jr., should Lamar Jackson rescind his trade request? Also, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show all the way back to yesterday? That is the pipeline for today. We'll get to all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational one-hour radio program. Also, anything else in your mind falls into the general discussion category. So whether it's from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. Coming up next, Corey, we'll have a news update. That'll be followed by our final NCAA tournament segment for this season. Carrie Miller is scheduled to join us from Bleacher Report in the next segment. Then once again at the bottom of the hour, it'll be phone call time, general discussion at that point. 602-260-1060 also will dodge in and out of some local roundup. 
during that bottom of the hour segment. And then, as I mentioned previously, we'll wrap it up with the National Roundup. And i got to do some cutting and pasting. I've been pretty busy trying to you know, do a few things regarding the tournament and get ready for the next segment with Kerry. So i got to do some cutting and pasting during these updates and uh, during the uh, breaks, at least the alleged breaks for me. I never take a break. Uh, you're listening to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLX HD 2 100.7. The Dan Patrick Show, weekday mornings from 6 to 9 a.m. This is just uh, something I like to call breakfast. With big-name guests, timely sports information, and more on KTUS AM 1060. Welcome back to the Sports Zone on this Tuesday with Bob Kemp on KTUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7, your home the Dan Patrick Show. Live Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m. UConn remained perfect in five NCAA tournament championship games with last night's 76-59 victory over San Diego State. And out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined the sports on by Kerry Miller of Bleacher Report. And Kerry, always a pleasure to talk to you. First up, let's start with UConn. First team to ever win the six tournament games by at least 13 points. We have a poll question up. What impressed you the most? UConn's offense or UConn's defense during this tournament? Which, how would you answer that question? Uh, I'd, I'd probably go defense. I mean, certainly their just their overall depth is what blew me away uh, in that game against Miami Saturday night. Eight different guys made multiple field goals. I'm pretty sure the same eight all scored last night. I don't know if they all made two buckets from the field, but they, they just come at you in waves, man. You know, Tanogo is like should have been a first-team All-American. Uh, we kind of forgot about him in January when they struggled for a while, but he goes off the court, and you're thinking, oh, good, it's a relief, and then this seven-foot-two monster comes in and just blocks everything. <laughs> Donovan Klingon, I mean, it was, it was unreal. When Klingon was on the court, I think San Diego State was held scoreless, basically. Like They just couldn't do anything. And so I, th- I think it was their defense, certainly this weekend, what they were able to do, just completely shutting down Miami, and then uh, the way they just put San Diego State in a locker. I'm glad you brought up Kling, and I will get to him momentarily here. Yeah, the 16-point lead did get as close to five before Jordan Hawkins hit the three-pointer to kind of end the drama. Maybe there was you – know, when the lead was cut to five, did you think there was actually drama at that point? Yeah. No, it was uh, – I was starting to freak out. I had already written most of my, uh, you know, UConn's the new <laughs> best program in the nation article, and then they cut it to five, and, man, you did – you could feel it in the state. Like, everybody was – I was on the San Diego State side of the stand, and it was loud. <laughs> but when it, when uh, when uh, Hawkins hit that three, that just sucked all the air right out of the – at least that half of the arena, and, and then they just pulled away from there. So they missed – they being San Diego State, missed four consec- 14, excuse me, 14 mm. consecutive shots during the first half. They managed to cut the lead to five. First up, why did they fall down as much as they did when they missed all those shots? But, you know, what was the reason that they just couldn't score? And also, you know, what was the reason they were able to cut that lead back to five? Yeah, I mean, not scoring was kind of San Diego State's DNA throughout the season, right? They only had yeah. – Matt Bradley was their only double-digit scorer all year long, um, and he had some big shots early on, but then they just – 
like I was saying, then Klingon came in, and they anything they tried to do within 10 feet of the rim just wasn't happening. I think he, he blocked, like, three shots on one possession, it felt like. It was just unreal. And then uh, I, 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 honestly, I don't know how they made the comeback. Like, I was... I was blown away that they were able to make it interesting because once I think it was 36-24 at halftime, I was like, well, this is over. I, I know San Diego State came back against Florida Atlantic. I know they came back against uh, uh, Alabama, but Connecticut just had been a freight train throughout the whole tournament. I, I figured they were just going to run away with it at that point, but it, I'm glad they made things interesting, even though it did stress me out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, you're under stress now, so that's good. Uh, Kerry Miller, Bleacher Report, Corona in the Sports Zone. So, was this just a case of too much link for UConn against San Diego State? Yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, everybody was talking about the Sonogo versus Mensa matchup in the paint, which, I mean, Mensa has been great in this tournament. He's a really good defensive player, but, I mean, it was never going to be. <laughs> You know, Mensa carrying them on offense, and when when they backed off him and let him take some fifteen footers, you could see why it was never going to be Mensa carrying them on offense. Um, I think that you know it was a mismatch from the get go, and then when they went to the benches and it was clinging against Ladie, it was just just unfair. Uh, they really were just too big, too deep, too strong, and too uh, too defensive line. I think they were. Yeah, both these teams were elite on defense. Just Connecticut was just so much better on offense all year long. Okay, you mentioned Sonogo. Uh, he's shown a tre- really tremendous improvement over the past three seasons. What stands out to you regarding his improvement? Yeah, he actually is uh, He's a threat now to score from the perimeter. He hit those two early threes uh, against Miami. I mean, they were, you know, he was standing still. They didn't even pretend to defend them, but that was not a thing two years ago. Um, I think we, you know, when we see all these these big men come back year after year, you know, Shibway, Baycott, Timmy, Dickinson. Well, Dickinson has improved his range. and I guess he's coming back for another year. Now he's in the transfer portal because he can't even get through the Final Four without some of that drama going on. But these big <laughs> men that come back and do develop as perimeter shooters, I mean, that's that's what you're coming back for, right, to, to show yourself off mm-hmm. to the NBA. and. I, going to be interesting what his decision is i mean I, I assume hawkins is gone he might be a lottery pick but if if the no-go does come back for another year uconn's probably going to be number one in the polls heading into the next season yeah you mentioned hawkins i don't want to slight him i don't want to slight andre jackson i think their their, their importance is pretty self-explanatory but i do want to ask about you know, tristan newton who overcame some early turnovers last night he ended up with 19 points 10 rebounds and four assists and you know, when I was watching UConn early in the season, when they had that stru- rough stretch during the uh, Big East season, yeah, he didn't play great. So, wh- what what uh, did he do to improve his game during uh, the last you know, month and a half, two months of the season? Yeah, it was during that time. It was really you know Hawkins and uh, and Sonogo, and it, they were they were kind of like Indiana at that point, right? Where it was Trace Jackson Davis, Jalen Hood, Shafino, and then. Hmm. Who knows what else is going to show up when, when Newton wasn't playing well, when, when Klingon was not getting as many minutes off the bench when they were just struggling in the Big East play. But, yeah, he man, he really showcased his range this weekend. I'll tell you that. He has some deep, deep three-pointers uh, in each of those games. I, I think he just he just got his confidence back. He got his swagger. Um, yeah, there was one point in the, um, the Miami game, I, I think it was uh, Bensley Joseph, 
uh, hit a shot and was like getting in Newton's face, and he just looked at him like, "What? Who do you think you are, man? Like, do you even know me? Like, I'm going to destroy you now." And then he went and did it. <laughs> he just he believes in himself, uh, and I think he really proved that. Yeah, you know, there were people questioning whether or not he was, you know, a legitimate point guard, and I think he proved everybody wrong. You mentioned Donovan Klingon a couple times in his defense uh, last night, and also Saturday. I thought in the first half his defense was unbelievable on Saturday. Same thing last night. And certainly both those uh, performances made a huge difference. You know, No pun intended uh, here as far as a big difference, but uh, how is he so, being Klingon, how is he so fundamentally sound as a freshman? Yeah, I mean, he literally his first possession on the court last night, he came in, on defense and forced a three-second violation by just, you know, being able to, to move his feet, uh, you know, not overcommit, not commit a foul. Um, it's just he's got that, you know, DNA in him. I mean, he doesn't have the shot yet. I think he's like a 54% free throw shooter. He doesn't have any range. Most of his buckets are alley-oops, but, you know, when you're that big, that's a, that's a nice luxury you can have. I, I am curious why so many people think he could be a first-round pick when, Others say Zach Eady won't even get drafted. I mean, I feel like he's basically the same player already, you know, two years earlier in his development. But he's, man, he's been so good, you know, on a minute by minute basis. I, I think he's been one of the best players in the entire country, freshman or not. Um, you know, a month into the season, I had him at number one in my freshman of the year ranking. Obviously, eventually, Brandon Miller replaced him atop that list just because he was unbelievable for Alabama. But that Klingon was. Just so clutch on what they did all season. Does he have a decision to make right now whether he goes to the NBA? I think he does. It surprises me. Uh, I saw um, Sam Bassini for the Athletic was saying he he legitimately would be a first round pick if he decides to yeah. to go pro. So I, I think you know it, it, it's always like this when you win a title, right? It's a, a huge question of who's actually going to come back. Um, you know. Baylor lost everybody after they won it all. Kansas lost everybody except for Jalen Wilson, pretty much. Connecticut could bring back a lot of these guys. Like I said, Hawkins is gone, but I, they could have quite an influence. And they have an incredible recruiting class coming in. So, well, haven't seen a repeat champ in, what, 16 years now? I, I don't think we will because the tournament's so random. But it's going to feel like that's what should happen if they get the no-go and Klingon back, for sure. Danny Harley wins the national championship. How did Hurley get his team to play its best in, in March and uh, I guess the first, I guess technically the first three days of April? How'd that happen? Yeah, there's just there's something about Connecticut in March. I I don't get it. They've never they've won five titles in the last quarter century. They were never supposed to win it. Right? They've done it as even the year that they won it as a one seed. They were like a ten point underdog against Duke in the championship game. Uh, then the other years they were a two, three, four, and a and a seven, but just something about them. They, they figured out. I, I saw an interview with uh, Ray Allen, who was at the game last night. He said, you know, if, you, if you're coming to stores to play basketball, you, know, you realize that's all there is to do in stores. You know, you're, you're not coming here to go to the beach. You're not coming here to go to the clubs. You're here to play basketball. And I, I don't know if something about that makes them stronger in March for it, but you know, once they get going in the tournament, they are – Fully confident, like you said, they're five and zero all the time in, in national championship games. Uh, maybe the the Big Ten can bring them in real quick. I think the Big Ten has lost eight consecutive <laughs> national championship games. Uh, get that monkey off that league's back. 
Yeah, plus four of those uh, national championships in the state of Texas. So if they could just, uh, yeah. you know, like a, you could move to El Paso or something next year or whatever. So it's that's it, pretty amazing in itself. Talking with Kerry Miller, Bleacher Report. Yeah, you know, I don't want to slide San Diego State here. You know, they never advanced beyond the Sweet 16 until this year. What impressed you the most about Brian Dutcher and the Aztecs here in the last few weeks? Yeah, and I, I mean, I don't mean to slight them either. I mean, it's kind of a snarky comment about their offense, which, you know, that was a, an issue all season, even in the tournament. Yeah. I mean, they, they did not score well uh, until the second half of that Florida Atlanta game, really, where they, they made that incredible comeback. But, yeah, they, they were just so, so great on defense. Um, you know, they're another team like Connecticut that just comes at you and wave. I think at one point in the game, both teams had, I'm not including the garbage time minutes where they all put in their, you know, deep reserves, but I think there were like legitimate minutes in the game where they each were nine deep uh, on the floor. I think that was such a, an important thing for San Diego State all year long. Everybody that comes in plays hard defense, um, and, and they were one of the oldest teams in the country. So, you know, that was good for them this year. We'll see how that works out for them moving forward because they're going to lose Matt Bradley, Nathan Benson, two of their key reserves. And, possibly more you never know in the portal era but yeah they they were honestly when i was like writing up you know power rankings before the tournament um you know kind of facetiously said about every mountain west team you know don't trust them but i did i couldn't come up with a legitimate reason not to believe in san diego state aside from just the mountain west thing so i I think they now that that is no longer a stigma i mean maybe they could become a, a legitimate you know kind of called basketball mid-major powerhouse uh, in, until the Pac-12 comes calling. <laughs> You're stealing my next question. It's exactly it. I mean, how soon before San Diego State's announced to be headed to the Pac-12? Yeah, I, I guess they probably need to improve their football uh, situation first. Uh, you know, Pac-12 doesn't much care about basketball media rights as much as it does football. But, yeah, I – this, uh, that was one of the things I wrote about heading into the Final Four. That you know, the kind of a kind of an audition for the, for the Aztecs to go to the Pac-12. Um, obviously, that uh, that realignment hasn't uh, hasn't stopped. Um, I, I don't know where we're going to end up on that front, um, but yeah, I think that's a, a very strong possibility that they they do go to the Pac-12. I wouldn't be surprised if. Uh, they're offering a lot of money to Gonzaga pretty soon as well, which would make that one hell of a, a basketball conference even after losing UCLA. San Diego State can San Diego State save the Pac-12? You know, it hasn't exactly been uh, you know basically uh, thriving here in football and basketball in recent years. Yeah, it, it it would be funny if a team comes in from the Mountain West and, and fixes all the league's problems. Um, I mean, they've. I think they've finished above at least five games above 500 in like 18 consecutive seasons. Like they, they've got the basketball pedigree. Even though you know they had that never made it past the Sweet 16 stigma until two weeks ago. Um, you know, I think it'd be a great pickup. Um, I, I think uh, Cal hiring Mark Madsen is going to get them back on the map to some extent. Uh, you know, maybe Oregon will be back again soon. I mean, there's no reason the Pac-12 should be down it, it should not be a two and a half bid league every year uh, if they do get san diego state that'd be that'd be a help I, I think that would offset the loss of ucla and usc at least to some extent 
Okay, so in summary here, we made it through 67 games. Uh, what, what are some of your favorite moments from the 2023 NCAA tournament? Uh, everything Marquise Noel did. Uh, that was <laughs> it, it was great to see Florida Atlantic make the Final Four, uh, but I was sad that Marquise Noel didn't get to you know, kind of complete that Kemba Walker 2.0 uh, comparison. You know, kid from the Bronx getting to play, you know, start the tournament kind of in New York City, finish it in Houston, doing everything that he did. That would have been amazing. But, yeah, Kansas State's run was incredible. Um, yeah, I'm trying to remember what – obviously, Barry Dickinson knocking off Purdue. We'll never forget that, even though they're, you know, the second to do it. Uh, um, that was a pretty amazing moment. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was mostly Marquise Noel, honestly. <laughs> it was – I feel like he was the story of the entire tournament. It's hard to believe he didn't make the Final Four. That's true. He was tremendous back home in NYC at MSG. Uh, okay, so the offseason. What are some offseason storylines that you and we should be following here in the next few weeks? Oh, gosh. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously the portal, right? There's already – I wish there was some way to – you know, in the NBA, it's like July 1st, right, before you can do free agency. I wish we could somehow get a moratorium. All It's impossible to keep up yeah. with it all while you're trying to watch the tournament. I mean, there's 1,250 kids in the portal. We've seen something like 45 coaching changes as well. So, you know, John Rothstein's little we sleep in May thing is, is no joke. Uh, <laughs> nonstop for the next month still. But, uh, I mean, storylines headed for, I think it's mostly – realignment honestly i mean it's college basketball offseason no news is good news right it's usually you know somebody's right. getting arrested or somebody's getting an fbi indictment or something <laughs> but i think uh you know realignment is going to be a major topic of conversation um this offseason Kerry, I always appreciate it, uh, even more so than usual today after, uh, I'm sure, a long night for you last night. And uh, just mm-hmm. thanks for all the all the knowledge and information that you provided throughout the season. Thanks much. And I uh, look forward to talking to you in the fall and uh, in, uh, next basketball season, too. Hey, sounds great. Take care, Bob. Kerry Miller, Bleacher Report. Read all his stuff. And uh, he'll be, you know, I'm sure, busy throughout the offseason. So, uh yeah, Kerry Miller, once again, tremendous, tremendous part of this show for the last you know, few years, and especially at this time of the year uh, during the uh, during the uh, NCAA basketball season and, and also football. But uh, you know, we really steal his expert expertise even more uh, at this time of the year. All right, coming up next, it is phone call time. It is general discussion, 602-260-1060. Also good to today's local roundup. Poll questions today. The first question I ask Carrie is the uh, .com poll question, kdus.com poll question. What impressed you most during Connecticut's dominant NCAA tournament, its offense or its defense? And uh, just a few minutes after the Connecticut victory and uh, the clinching victory, I think they're still cutting down the nets when the Diamondbacks bullpen imploded in San Diego last night. So the Twitter poll question is it too soon to be concerned about the Diamondbacks bullpen? In addition to that, if you got anything about the Suns tonight or anything else, it is general discussion next segment, 602-260-1060. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7.
It's time for today's local roundup. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLX HD 2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time if you want to get in general discussion right now, 602-260-1060. In addition to your phone calls and the local roundup, uh, let's do a quick repeat of today's pipeline and today's one-hour radio extravaganza. And we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. What impressed you the most during Connecticut's dominant NCAA tournament, its offense or its defense? In addition to that poll question, anything that stood out last night during the 76-59 victory over San Diego State certainly encouraged discussion. And what will you remember the most from the last three weeks and 67 games of the NCAA tournament? Twitter poll question today. Is it too certain to be concerned about the Diamondbacks bullpen? More on that momentarily. On the uh, Also on the local front, the Suns play the first of their four remaining regular season games tonight at home against the lowly Spurs. The Suns a huge favorite tonight. More on that in the next segment during the National Roundup. Meanwhile, Spain the globe. The Warriors are expected to get back uh, Mitch, uh, Andrew Wiggins, Mitchell Wiggins' dad, and Andrew's been away from uh, the team for 22 games because his dad's had a serious, serious medical issue going on. Uh, so the re- expected return of uh, Andrew Wiggins does that uh, you know change, alter your opinion, or change your opinion of the Warriors heading into the postseason? Meanwhile, the Ravens reportedly have offered a contract to Odell Beckham Jr. If they sign Odell Beckham Jr., should uh, Lamar Jackson rescind his trade request? All right, anything else in the world of sports is uh, probably going to be okay for discussion. 602-260-1060 if you want to jump aboard. Feel free to interrupt during this segment if you wish. Meanwhile, on to the local roundup we go. The Diamondbacks' bullpen may not be fixed. Uh, the Diamondbacks battled back from an early deficit. They took a 4-3 lead heading into the ninth inning last night before new closer. I think he's the closer, maybe not after last night. Scott McGuff allowed backup home runs in the bottom of the ninth inning as the Padres walked over, walked off with a 5-4 victory in San Diego. It's the first time in Padres history that they've won a game on back-to-back game-tying and walk-off home runs. Also, it's the first time in big league history that the eight and nine hitters have ever done that, at least according to the Elias Sports Bureau. They're usually not wrong about these things. The Diamondbacks were actually in position to win this game because starting pitcher Ryan Nelson somehow uh, managed just three runs over the first five innings, 97 pitches. Then relief uh, pitchers Cole Seltzer, Miguel Castro, and Andrew Chafin pitched uh, three scoreless innings combined uh, before McGuff blew up in the ninth inning. Uh, the, uh, at the plate, Corbin, uh, Corbin Carroll uh, still hitting sixth, had three more hits. That included a game-tying solo homer in the seventh inning. Uh, Evan Longoria's first hit as a Diamondbacks gave them a a 4-3 lead heading into the bottom of the ninth inning. Personnel news. Madison Madison Bumcarner's left arm, no structural damage after an MRI on Monday after he came back to Phoenix to get checked out. Uh, And uh, he's scheduled, at least as the last word I saw, to make his start on Friday against the Dodgers. Uh, you know, they were concerned about his velocity being down a couple of ticks, according to Tori Lavello. Uh, the team opted to have the arm 
uh, checked out, and uh, they said it was fatigue, and they're still sticking to that fatigue thing. So we'll see what happens. Bumgarner's expected to throw a between-the-starts bullpen this week in preparation of that Friday start. So we'll see how that goes. For the Padres, Fernando Tatis suspended. He's expected to begin a minor league rehab assignment today with AAA El Paso. He's eligible to return from his PED suspension on April the 20th, and he's permitted to play in minor league games to get ready for that. Uh, obviously, we'll see what happens. And uh, you know, former Diamondbacks manager and current Padres manager Bob Melvin has indicated that Tatis will likely hit leadoff when he returns to the major league roster. All right, up next, the two-game series concludes today at 1 o'clock in San Diego. And the two and three Diamondbacks scheduled to start with uh, starts Zach Gallon on the mound, who was not so good in the season opener last Thursday night at Dodger Stadium. He allowed five runs on six hits and three walks, did strike out seven. Meanwhile, the three and two Padres will go with you, Darvish. Darvish is making his season debut uh, because uh, you know, he was in the WBC and didn't build up the arm strength to start the season last week, but he is scheduled to make his, de- his season debut for the Padres tonight. All right. Um, Corey, we have a caller here? Okay, I'll get to Robin Mason in just a second, but first up, it is time right now for our Diamondbacks ticket giveaway for today for the home opener against the against the Dodgers, excuse me, against the Dodgers on Thursday night. So caller number two right now, 602-260-1060. You're today's winner. Tickets for the home opener, two tickets for that. Of course, the uh, Diamondbacks facing the Dodgers April 6th through the 9th during their opening weekend uh, series. Going to be a busy weekend. The opening day street festival, that's on Thursday. Uh, and then on Friday night, there'll be fireworks in the postgame. And uh, you know, pick up uh, your uh, you know season. You get pick up your tickets today for Diamondbacks at uh, Diamondbacks.com/tickets. All right, on the phone lines we go. Robin Mesa. Hi, Rob. Bob, how are we today? We're good. How are you? Good, good. Well, Colin, can we do a little NFL draft? Okay. Well, I'm I'm thinking I'm I'm. The Cardinals in that spot, number three. I've been hearing, you know, sprinklings of now Tennessee wanting to go in there and maybe make a trade. Now, if they do that, they fall out of the Will Anderson contention. And what I'm thinking is, if you pass on that guy, Seattle takes him, then you got to take that butt whipping that he's going to put on him for years. <laughs> I mean, that's just – you can't say that it's a sure thing. Nobody's a sure thing. But unless you can get somewhere closer to where you can, I mean, there's no way because Seattle's at five. I thought the only deal I think you could do would be Indianapolis, or is that the wrong way to look at it? I'm not 100%. I'm the only person in America maybe that's not completely sold on Will Anderson, who was much better two years ago at Alabama than he was this past year. And I think part of that is because his surrounding cast defensively was not nearly as good at Alabama as it was two years ago. So I'm not completely sold that he's going to be the greatest player in the history of the world. I'm also right. maybe a little uh, you know leery to say anything about a linebacker because I thought Isaiah Simmons, when the Cardinals got him, I for weeks hoped that they would get him. Then they somehow got him, and he's been a big disappointment. At least I think he's been a big disappointment to this point, and – 
you know, that seemed like a pretty sure thing too, and it's not been a sure thing so far through a couple of seasons. Are you going to have Dan with our lads on? Actually, we're not. We didn't have Dan, uh, so similar to myself, <clears throat> some medical issues here. Uh, so we'll definitely have plenty of draft previews. We've had Eric Edholm do plenty of uh, things. He's with NFL Media now. We've had Eric on for 100 years, uh, whether uh-huh. it be in his Pro Football Weekly days or wherever, you know, Yahoo and Pro Football Weekly. Again, trying to remember all Dan's travels uh, as far as jobs go. And But he's now with NFL Media. And uh, we will clearly preview the draft. That's kind of a... Something I'm going to give it a rest for two or three days here, but uh, I'll get into that probably starting over the weekend a little more in depth as far as my uh, my brain goes, as far as the draft. All right, Bob. Well, thanks. I wish you guys the best. Okay, appreciate it. Thank you. All right, on to the Suns. Winners of five straight. They're heavy favorites tonight against the uh, struggling Spurs. The Suns are 28-20 and 20 in the Western Conference, which is a good record in the Western Conference. Just by comparison, the Spurs are not good against anybody in really anything this year. They're 8-40 and 40 against the Western Conference. Third time these teams have played this season. The Suns won the last meeting, 128-118 in overtime. That was a game that Chris Paul probably had his best game of the season, at least scoring-wise, 31 points in that game. Keldon Johnson had 34 for the Spurs, and Keldon Johnson amongst the five players that are listed, at least as of yesterday, as out for the Spurs tonight. And uh, it's not like they have a real good roster to begin with, but five rotation players for the Spurs, at least, as I said, as of yesterday, listed as out for tonight. We've learned through this NBA season that those injury updates change rather quickly. The Spurs, not surprisingly, are staggering to the finish line. They're 2-8 and eight in their last 10 games. They've averaged 114.3 points in those games. That's not terrible, but they've allowed 129.5 points over those last 10 games. All right, when we come back, we will wrap up the Sports Zone for today with the National Roundup. That'll be after Corey's update. We'll get to a little more, kind of put a bow on the NCAA tournament for this year. Look ahead a little bit to next year as far as some early odds for the 2024 championship. And uh, time pending, we'll get into even a little bit of baseball from last night. And uh, the Suns, by the way, in case I don't have time for this in the next segment, they're a 19-point favorite tonight, consensus line in Nevada right now. I don't have time to check the... uh, you know, offshore markets and so forth, but a 19-point favorite in tonight's game, the Suns against San Antonio tonight in downtown Phoenix. You're listening to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7. Segment today's Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. It is thank you time. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers 
emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever, and whatever else sit for the cracks. Also our guest today, Carrie Miller from Bleacher Report, obviously at the game last night in uh, Houston. And uh, if you're still out or <laughs> you managed to get up early to talk to us this morning. Uh, once again, so we thank Carrie for all his uh, you know, contributions to this show for the last several months, whether it be college football or college basketball. Tremendous info from Kerry, as always. Check out all his work at Bleacher Report. Sound today, courtesy of CBS, Bally Sports Arizona, TNT, and Fox. As always, special thanks to Corey and Kayla and Aaron. And uh, coming up next, we'll get to that in a couple minutes. But first up, uh, here are some college bas- final college basketball items uh, one final item for this season. By the way, Connecticut went off as a consensus seven-point favorite last night. There was some late money on San Diego State in the game. Uh, the Husker, the Huskies won all six games of the NCAA tournament by at least 13 points. That's the first team to ever do that. Not surprisingly, the Huskies are the early favorite uh, to repeat next season. I'll just give you one example here. I didn't do tremendous research here. I apologize, but... Kind of a quick turnaround, but the Caesars Sportsbook has UConn as the favorite to win next season's NCAA tournament at 12 to 1. You heard Kerry mention it looks like most of these guys are going to be back, if not other than Hawkins. Uh, it looks like that everybody else might be back. You never know about the portal, and you know the you know, couple guys might actually get a look at the NBA that maybe weren't expected to get a look at the NBA before the tournament. But anyway. So Connecticut is 12 to 1. Kansas is next at 15 to 1, followed by UCLA and Duke at 16 to 1, and Kentucky at 18 to 1. All right, for the baseball scoreboard, quickly from last night, the Phillies, ooh, not looking good. They're 0 and 4. Uh, yesterday they played the Yankees. Glaber Torres hit his 100th career home run, reached base five times. Anthony Rizzo, a two run homer. The Yankees routed the winless Phillies 8 to 1. The uh, champions are 0 and 4. In fact, it's uh, the first time they've been 0 and 4 Philadelphia since 2016. The only team to, win a, to uh, actually win a World Series after starting 0 and 4 was not that long ago. The 2021 Atlanta Braves, there's hope. Uh, by the way, Philadelphia has not started the season 0-5 since 1934. I wasn't even alive in 1934, contrary to popular belief. Uh, the Yankees, by the way, have nine homers through their first four games and multiple homers in each of their last four games, for, for their first four games, excuse me, for the first time since 2011. Meanwhile, the Mets got blown out of Milwaukee yesterday. Bryce Terang hit a grand slam home run, his first career homer, capped off a seven-run fifth inning as the Brewers uh, began their home schedule by routing the Mets 10-0. And uh, that was uh, the, the, the pretty amazing that uh, they were actually, the Brewers were shut out over their first 16 innings this season. Uh, in the last 20 innings, they've scored 22 runs. That's pretty good. Meanwhile, not everybody in the National League East looked bad on Monday. Ronald Acuna Jr. did hit a home run, a three-run homer last night. The Braves defeated the uh, St. Louis Cardinals in St. Louis 8-4. Ozzie Albies, a two-run homer. Austin Riley hit a mammoth home run in this game. Uh, It was, uh, I got here, 473 feet, the longest of his career, fourth longest in Bush Stadium, and second longest ever by an opponent at Bush Stadium. All right, some NBA for tonight. 
I don't really mention too many Eastern Conference games, but uh, Boston is playing Philadelphia tonight, and Philadelphia two-point home favorite in that game. Total in that game sitting at 228. Some games involving Western Conference playoff positioning. Uh, Sacramento at New Orleans, and New Orleans is a four-point favorite against the Kings. Total is 236. The uh, uh, Los Angeles Lakers are at Utah, and the Lakers a nine-point road favorite at Utah. Total net game, 237.5. Oklahoma City at Golden State, and Golden State an eight-point favorite, 222.5. And as I mentioned earlier, San Antonio against the Suns here, downtown Phoenix. The Suns a 19-point favorite in new game that game tonight. That's a massive number. Uh, in the uh, in the in the NBA, that's more of a college football number <laughs> of a team that uh, a good team against a bad team. Okay, that's it for me for today. I'll return on Wednesday at 9 a.m. That'll be followed by the Extra Point, hosted by Kayla, from 10 to noon tomorrow. This has been the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp. Thank you very much for listening. Have a great Tuesday, everybody.